Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Let no one deceive you. Our focus today will be around the source of truth, the source of truth. So here we believe that the source of all truth is the Word of God at the Rhodes Church. So we get a little excited. Whenever we open up the Bible, because we believe God's got something to say to us. So come on, Mount Carmel, E-Roads family, North City. We've got overflow in this service today as well. Let's get our Bibles out. If you've got them, let's open them. But First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. What's up? A little excited about the Bible. First John. Towards the back, go to Revelation. Turn left. You'll run into Jude and three little Johns. First John chapter. Do you think I'm weird now? Hang on, there's more. First John, first John chapter four. Let's look at verse one. It says, "Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits." whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. I want to focus on this verse a lot today because I found three things that I think this verse explains to us. Three instructions. I think he tells us three things. Number one, he tells us what not to do. Then John tells us what to do. And then he tells us why to do. So let's look at that here in the Bible. Number one, what not to do. Do not believe every spirit. What to do, test the spirits, whether they are of God. Number three, why? Because many false prophets are in the world. Those are the three things that we're going to zero in on on this morning first. Number one, let's look at what not to do. What what does the Bible tell us what not to do? Beloved, it's just talking about uh, people, believers, followers of Christ. Do not believe every spirit. Do not believe every spirit. When he says every spirit, and then he says test the spirits. The first thing I want to do, and I think it's important, it's important if you're a new believer, because we have people from all walks of spiritual life here. That's why we do the roads, churches, all roads of life. People are on different journeys. Depending on what your um, interaction with in church, when you hear the word spirit, a lot of time the word spirit in the natural and the world can be kooky. It's like, ooh, spirits and ooh. So when we talk about test the spirits or don't believe every spirit, a lot of times we separate that from our world and we think that's weirdo world. But the word spirit is also the word used Holy Spirit or also used Holy Ghost in King James Version of the Bible. So you hear ghosts and spirit, you think Casper, you think Halloween, you think weird. So I wanted to break this down for you because I think it's important for us to understand even more so in this time in history that we understand the spiritual influence of things in the earth. So the word spirit is the Greek word pneuma, and it means breath or current of air is one way you could use it. So anytime you see the word breath, a lot of times it's the word pneuma, this means or current of air. It also means a supernatural, non-material being. So you talk about a spirit, it is a being, but it's a supernatural being, a non-material or non-physical being. Are you with me so far? Just trying to break down what it says. Don't believe every spirit. I want you to know what it's talking about. So the spirit 
speaks to the ultimate spiritual source of everything in the world, both good and evil. When we talk about spirits, spiritual realm is the basis or the ultimate source of everything good and evil. Why am I talking about this and breaking it down? Because I think it's important in our culture for us to remember, especially in the culture of race issues, political issues, all these things going on, we have to remember what the true source of everything is. If we don't understand what the true source is, we'll be fighting in the wrong battlefield. We'll be trying to impact something from the wrong place of origin. So when I say we got to get our source right, we got to realize that there are sources involved that are spiritual. Two kinds of spirits. It says test the spirits whether they are of God. Let me just be clear on this. There are two kinds of spirits. Number one, there are spirits that are of God. Of God. What does that mean? So there are spirits, supernatural beings that are of God. What does that mean? John chapter 4, verse 24. This is the source of the spirits of God. It says this, God is what? God is? And feel free here for you to participate because if you don't, I will keep asking you until you do. So, So it says, God is spirit. It doesn't say God has a spirit. It says God is a spirit. God, Heavenly Father, is spirit. Notice it doesn't say God is man. God is not a male. It may be a theological challenge for some of you, but God is spirit. I know the Bible refers to him as he and him and all of that. I understand that. But in true source, God is not man because both male and female came out of him. So if that weirds you out, calling him father and he's not a man, deal with it. I don't mean that an insult, I'm just saying he's not a he, so it's not masculine-dominated God. He is God, he is spirit. Just making sure you understand. So now, if God is what? God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in? Spirit. Yes. So if God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, then how is that possible unless we too are spirit? Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Let's see it again. This is the Bible. I encourage you, and I say this all the time, but I want to throw this in real quick before I go to this point. Bring your Bible. Get your Bible out. If you're watching me on E-Roads, don't believe what I say. Believe what your Bible says. I don't want people just to follow me because I have an opinion about something. My opinion matters bupkis to anything in the world. What God says, that's what's going to matter in our life. We want the truth of the word. So let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. If you're like, oh, I I believe God's a male. Okay, let's go to the Bible. Just 127. So God, God who? God is what? He is spirit. You're still with me. Thank you. God is spirit. So God created man in his own. Okay, in his own image. God is what? Spirit. Spirit. And he created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Somebody say created. So God is spirit, and he created man in his own image, in his image. I didn't do that. I didn't ask for that. God did that. He created him. What did he create? He created him male and female. He created them. All right? So male and female came from God. He created them in whose image? In 
his image. So if God is and we're in his, then we are. Yes, student, give yourselves a hand. That's awesome. Why is that important? We need to know our true origin, our true source. We are not just, and some of you need to hear this, you never heard it before, you are not just a human being. You are a spirit created by God in the image of God. I didn't say you were God. I didn't say you didn't need God. I'm just saying he made us in his image. We are still dependent on him for life. You need to understand who you are. Well, I'm just a human being. No, you're not. You're a spirit creating in the image of God. So now we're an image, or we're created in the image of God. We're a spirit. Genesis 2-7. And the Lord God formed man. Okay, wait a minute. In chapter 1, he created man. Now he's forming man. Formed means to press, to squeeze together. Think of Play-Doh. It's like God took some mud and made you. He formed man of the dust of the ground. And then what did he do? And breathed into his nostrils. What did he breathe in? The breath, breath of life. Numa, this is Hebrew, Old Testament, but translation in Greek, New Testament, would be Numa. He breathed into your little Gumby doll the breath of life. Sorry, Gumby's a little old reference. Thanks, Ted. So, give something newer. But he, he breathed into him. So we were just an earthly suit, the Bible talks about, an earthly house. And then he breathed into us the pneuma, the breath of life. So God breathed into us. And then what happened after he breathed into man? Then they became a living being. So now, notice the order. They were created before they were formed. They were a created being before they were a formed being. You and I are the same way. We are a created being first and a formed being second. Supernatural first, natural second. This is the prioritization pattern God used in creation, and it's the one we need to use to process everything in our life. Spiritual first, then natural. That's what God did. He created your spiritual part first, and then he formed your natural part and blew your spiritual part into it. But we want to operate prioritization out of the natural part instead of out of the spiritual part first. You are spirit first. That's what God's wanting to say. So when what is happening in our natural is determining what happens in my spiritual, then I'm living outside of God's creative order. In other words, when something happens to me, natural world, outside, and it starts to affect my spiritual world, I am happening, I am functioning backwards from what God intended for me. He intended for us to operate spiritual first and impact our natural from there. He, ex he expects us to address our problems and our issues from a spiritual platform first, and then we affect the natural from our spiritual. We've got it cart before the horse. But we got to get it turned around. His intent is to do it the other way around. We want to be proactive in the spiritual instead of reactive. Look at 1 Thessalonians, more biblical proof of this, 523. It says this, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole, all right, here's your whole. Ready? Look at yourself in the mirror. This is your whole, everything you are, your whole spirit, soul, and body. Three parts to your whole. Notice the order. 
spirit created part, God breathed part of you, your eternal part, the part that will never die. <sighs> Sorry if I spit on the first two rows. <laughs> spirit first, soul, mind, your will, and emotions, and then your body. This is the pattern. It's what God said in the word, and this is how we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to operate spirit first. What do I do about what's going on in the world? Spirit first. I seek the wisdom of God first. I seek the direction of God first. Then my feelings and my emotions start to operate based on what my spirit said. And then my body begins to behave and function according to what's been put in line. Backwards, what we do too many times is we feel something, experience something, like something happens to us, and now our mind, will, and emotions, we start thinking about something, our emotions kick in, and then that starts to impact our spiritual. So something happens to me, how I feel about it, and then I react spiritually. Backwards from what God intended. He wants you to believe what God's saying first, decide how you feel about it based on what he said, and then begin to change your natural to match up with what God said. This is what he's given us. This is a pattern. Spirit, soul, and body. Romans 8 verse 16 says this. The Spirit himself bears witness. So the Holy Spirit bears witness with our I got, got Stay with me. Stay with me. The Spirit himself, Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit. Yes. Come on, Eros. Come on, Mount Carmel. Bears witness with our spirit. What does it mean to bear witness? The word bear witness means this. It means to testify, like a witness would in a courtroom, to support or provide confirming evidence. So the Holy Spirit testifies, supports, provides confirming evidence with our... Right. Notice it doesn't say, the Holy Spirit will provide confirming evidence to you that God is moving in your life with your mind. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit will provide confirming evidence with you that God is on the move in your emotions. Where does the Holy Spirit bear witness and provide confirming evidence that he's going to do what he said he's going to do? He bears witness with your Thank you. He bears witness with your spirit. So why are we looking for natural confirmation from a spiritual source? I know we do it. I do it. I'm like, okay, when am I going to see something? When am I going to hear something? When am I going to feel something? I don't know, but God says he bears witness with our spirit first, and then our soul, our mind, will, and emotions need to grasp what he's providing for me, the evidence he's providing for me, and then I begin to speak that and bring that into my natural to line up with what God says. Spirit first. So there are spirits that are of God. There are spirits that are of God, and we need to connect, communicate, and cooperate with God for us with our spirits first. So if there are spirits that are of God, there are spirits that are not of God, right? So what are spirits that are not of God? If spirits are not of God, what are they of? What's their origin? Where do they come from? What, what's the source? John 8, tells us this. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. He said, you are of Spirits of God, these are not of God. You are of your father the, ooh, that's harsh. Remember, Jesus talked to the Pharisees. You know who the Pharisees are? Pharisees are the religious leaders of the synagogue. These are 
the people that knew the Bible, the known Bible at that time, the first five books called the Pentateuch, by memory. No, 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 you don't understand. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Memorized all five books by heart. That's impressive. You know what Jesus said to him? You're of your father the devil. Take your little, never mind. So, so what am I saying? What is he saying to them? You are of your father the devil, even though you look like you're of the father of heaven. So somebody can have an appearance of fitting in and being the right person, and their source is the wrong person. Come on, am I helping anybody? See, what you look like on the outside, where you, where you hang out, it doesn't matter. It's what's on the inside that matters. He said, you're of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and doesn't stand in the truth because there is no truth in the devil. When he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar, liar, pants on fire, and the father of it. Now notice, Jesus is talking to people, but the source is spiritual. Who did he say? You right now are of your father, the devil, because your desires are matching up with his desires. So he recognizes, I'm talking to people, but your problem is your source. He wasn't condemning the Pharisees that they could never change. He's identifying with them where their source is coming from. Keeping it spiritual, not keeping it in the natural, realizing that anybody has an opportunity to change sources and connect with God and change their life, but if they don't know they're tapping into the wrong source, how will they ever change? And if we don't know that it's all about the source and not about the person, we will dismiss the person and not give them a chance to change their life. We'll get so caught up in the flesh and the superficial stuff, we'll put people in categories and we won't understand there's a spiritual deception going on. They don't even know what they're doing. Jesus hung on the cross, naked and bare for us. People took nails, literally and intentionally, drove them into his wrists and into his, into his feet. And then they stabbed him in the side. What did, he, what did he do? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I'd be saying, you better know they know what they're doing. God, strike them now. He said, I don't know what they're doing. Why? Because he said their source is all twisted up. They got the wrong source. He's like, if they could just see the truth, if they could just see what I'm doing for them right now, they would turn. So, Lord, I just pray that you forgive them. Show them. Show them. That's the heart we have to have for our world. That's where the church has to be different. That's where the church has to see spiritual sources and not just people that disagree with us. I'll get some help from the next crap. That's okay. So we got, we got to realize this. But now, sometimes, sometimes, spirits do show themselves. Through voices, through ideas, through thoughts, through ways of thinking, through values. But we've got to realize Ephesians 6.12 reminds us that we do not wrestle. That means to engage in intense struggle involving physical or non-physical force. We don't, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness where? In the heavenly places. You are not fighting against a friend on Facebook. Stop it. Stop it. We are not warring against people. We are warring against spirits that are not of God. Now, are other people maybe cooperating with those spirits and operating with those spirits? Maybe so. But we still are pointing our weapons at the right source that is against the spirits that are not of God and allowing God to bring victory into their life. 
That's what he's wanting us to do. All right, so now he says if there are multiple spirits, there's spirits that are of God and spirits that are not of God, what are we supposed to do? What do we don't do? That was the first one. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Don't believe every spirit. Now we know there's spirits that are of God. We know there's spirits that are not of God. We know both of that's going on in our everyday life, right? Every day you watch the news, every day that you, I encourage you to stop watching the news. But I mean, it's going to help you spiritually. I'm not saying you don't know what's going on. I'm just saying be careful when you're looking. You're getting, if you, anybody feel yourself, you don't have to raise your hand. Don't do it. Please don't do it. You feel yourself getting riled up when you watch the news? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Then right there you got to be careful. Because that is going to try to persuade you. Because he said, don't believe every spirit. Then say, we're not going to hear every spirit. He said, don't believe them. What's the difference? Why does it matter, Chad? Glad you asked. The word believe is the Greek word pistuo, which means to have faith, to, complete, to put complete trust in or reliance on. So you're totally putting all your trust and reliance on them. Here's the next one that's important. Firmly persuaded to, towards a belief, a position, or course of action. What we believe will move us and can move us into a position or a course of action. This is why God's saying don't believe every spirit. Because if you believe it, truly believe something, then that will move you into a different position. And it will move you into a position of resentment and bitterness. It will move you into a course of action. If you believe what someone says about you and it's not what God says about you, that lie could cause you to move into a position where you think less of yourself than what God thinks of you. It can cause you to have a course of action where you go this way instead of that way because you believe a lie of the devil. And God's saying, listen, don't believe every spirit because they're going to take you down a path. I don't want you to go. He's going to take you down a thought process, a belief process that I don't want you to believe. I want you to believe what I say about you. I don't want you to believe what the news is saying about the world. I want you to believe what my my word says about the world. I don't want you to get moved by them. I don't want you to have your emotions go up and down based on what they say every day. Put your faith in what Jesus said, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We've got to have some stability in our life. And God's calling us to put our faith back in him. And get out of putting it in what man's saying. So we can't believe it. What we believe will impact us. So we've got to be careful. And we've got to make sure we don't allow that to move us. So that's what not to do. Don't believe every spirit. Look at your neighbor and say, don't believe everything you hear. Look at your second choice on the other side and say, I don't, don't believe whatever you, everything you hear. Yeah. All right, now what to do? <laughs> we got what not to do. What to do? Do not believe every spirit, but do what? But what the spirit's? Maybe they didn't bring it up quick enough. Sorry. I I like the interaction because I want to make sure you get it. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test. Test the spirits. Multiple spirits, we're not supposed to believe them, but we are supposed to test them. Here's what the word test means. To approve, examine, learn the genuineness of something, prove, inspect, verify. This is what I encourage you to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 says this. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. And then it goes on to say, test yourselves. Examine yourselves, test yourselves. Test the spirits. Test, examine. Here's our responsibility. We need to be people that examine and test and verify things and don't just go with the first thing we hear. 
If the Christians are going to keep from being deceived in this world, we have to have a working knowledge of God and an awareness of our responsibility to examine and verify what we're hearing before we eat it hook, line, and sinker. Because there's going to be a lot of things that come your way, and we'll talk about this in just a moment, but we got to be careful to make sure we're examining. we got to test the spirits. That's why I encourage and invite people, test what I say. Examine what I say. Get home. Get out your notes and read your Bible and say, I think that guy was full of a bunch of baloney. That's great. Test it out and see because it doesn't matter what I'm saying. It matters what God is speaking into your heart. So in these days, we got to test them. So that's what we're supposed to do. He tells us now, why are we supposed to do that? What not to do, don't believe every spirit. What to do, test the spirits. Don't just be gullible. Check things out. Examine them. Test the spirits. Why? Whether they are of God. Because. Because. Here's the why. Because many false prophets, many false prophets, let's say false prophets, many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many false prophets. What does false prophets mean? Many false prophets. Here's what the word means literally in the Greek, and you can check it out for yourself. But one who claims to be a prophet and is not. One who claims to be a prophet and not. Now, when you say prophet, some people that's, you know, uh, maybe from a world perspective, prophet, they have this in their mind that a prophet is someone who just predicts the future. That's not all that prophecy is. There is some sense of that in prophecy, but sometimes prophecy biblically is defined by speaking inspired words from God, like speaking what? So it's really declaring something, declaring or speaking something is prophecy, whether it's false or true is based on the source. So if there are false prophets, there are people that will prophesy. But it will be false. And sometimes people say, well, if they're a false prophet, all it means that they're, they're just, what they're saying is uh, not, they're claiming it, but it's not true. But look what else it says. They proclaim what is false, not speaking under God's direction. Here's what I encourage you with this. False prophets still prophesy. They still speak things. You're going to hear things. They're going to say things that uh, uh, declare things, and we've got to decide, is this a true prophet or a false prophet? How do you do it? Glad you asked. Remember in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we talked about we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Heavenly places. Heaven, I'm going to break down three things for you real quick that you understand about heaven. Number one, one when the Bible talks about heavens is the sky, where the clouds are, rain, stuff like that. That's the earth's atmosphere. The heavenlies that we're talking about here in Ephesians 6.12 is where the spiritual, angelic, and demonic hosts operate. You think, all, well, all demons are in hell. No, no, no. They operate in the, spirit, in the heavenlies, which is a spiritual realm beyond earth's realm. Okay? So when it talks about spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, it's not talking about in the heaven with God. It's talking about that second layer, which is beyond the atmosphere. This is where demonic realm and angels both operate. And then there's the third heaven, which is the heaven where God abides. Ain't no demons up there. One was there, got kicked out, and a third of his pals. So now, here's what I want to say about this. How do we know a, a, a true prophet from a false prophet? A false prophet still prophesies, and some people say, well, a false prophet's inaccurate. That's not true. A false prophet can still be accurate. They're just accurate about the wrong things. Here's why it's important for us to know the difference. 
Because if a, if a false prophet tells you something and there are any factual support for it, you will buy into them as a true prophet without examining the source of their truth. Is that too much? False prophet is, is someone that's speaking from a source, demonic source, and not from an angelic source. We want to get a word that's from above that, from the heavens, from God, and not get caught up in the chatter that's in the heavenly realms. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So now, when the, when the voice, a voice comes to you, uh, that's why we don't believe every spirit, a spirit comes to you and tells you this is what's going to happen, you need to examine where did that spirit come from, where does that voice come from. If it doesn't come from the throne room of God, then I'm not going to believe what that voice is saying. Making sense? we got to believe, because there's many false prophets. How do we recognize? Matthew 7, verse 15. says, beware of false prophets who come to you in... Come to you, come to you in, good, we're we're working, come to you in sheep's clothing, sheep's clothing. Didn't say it comes to you like sheep, because the Bible calls us sheep, but they come to you in sheep's clothing. So clothing means there's something on the outside covering up something on the inside. So they come to you in sheep, they look like sheep, maybe even sound like sheep, they come to you, <laughs> maybe they got, you know, they just sheep's clothing. They're not real sheep. Maybe they got a little button that plays the sheep sound. I don't know what it is, but they come to you in sheep's. So they come appearing like something that they are not. This is why we got to recognize the, the, the lie from the truth is that people are going to come and begin to declare things to you, but it's not truly going to be God speaking through them. They're going to look like that, but that's not who they really are. On the inside, they are ravenous wolves. Here's what I'm saying for us important. In the church, in these last days, for us not to be deceived, we're going to be careful who we listen to. I'm already starting to have my radar up on certain people in the body of Christ that I used to go, yeah. Now I'm like, And you can examine me too. I'm not saying that I'm above examination. Examine me. But I'm being careful who I'm listening to because are they speaking from God or are they speaking from their own motivations? We want to be guided by the right voice because look what it says. Let's jump on to verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. How many of that's important? If you want to know the Spirit of God. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus, confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And the spirit, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, talked about that last week, and is now already in the world. Here's what's in the world. There is an Antichrist spirit that's in the world. What we're dealing with in our communities, in our society, in our government, in culture, we're dealing with Christ versus Antichrist. It's what we're dealing with. We've got to get it down to the source. But look what happens. How do we recognize what's of God? It says right here, here's how you'll know. The one that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. The one that does not confess. So, okay. All i got to look for, whoever says Jesus Christ is Lord. No. That word confess is not just speak it with your mouth. A lot of people can say things with their mouth and it not come from a true motive. That word confess It's a Greek word made up of two, made up of homo, which means same, logos, which means to say, to speak, or declare. So you put them together, and it means to speak the same thing, but 
It also has a deeper meaning. It means to profess allegiance to, covenant, or agreement. So here's what God's saying. How are you going uh, to know if it's a false prophet or an antichrist spirit? Those who don't have an allegiance or a covenant with Jesus as the Christ and don't recognize him as the Savior of the world, mark them right there. That spirit that they're operating under is not of God. That's how we're going to recognize. I'm not saying who says nice things. Well, they say nice things. They say nice things. I know. Let's break it down. Who, who is in covenant with Jesus Christ as Messiah? Well, I'm a person of faith. What's that mean? Who are you in covenant with? Are you in covenant with Jesus the Christ? Well, I go to church. I know. But are you in covenant with Jesus the Christ? I don't want to be deceived. I don't want you to be deceived. And John is telling us right here, here's how we're going to tell the difference. And he goes on to say this. This is so important. You, verse 4, you are of God, little children, not of the world, and have overcome them. Have overcome them. He's writing them, telling them they have overcome in past tense, and they're sitting there in present tense reading this letter saying, we have not, we're praying for it, we're believing for it, we're trusting God that we're going to, but right now we haven't overcome. But John's writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit saying, you have overcome. And they're confused. They're like, why are you saying we have overcome when I haven't yet? I'm still trusting God for it. Someday I will. But he tells them why. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. How do we know that we've overcome? If we look at our spiritual source, who is in us, who is in me, who is with me, that's why I have overcome. I have overcome by the presence of a person, not by the result of my circumstance. We're wanting to tie, tie our overcoming based on what we see, feel, and hear. And God said, no, 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 no. Here's how I want you to know you've overcome. By who's in you. Well, I know he's in me, but I want to see something. I do too, I want to see something. But you have overcome, why? Because he who's in you is greater than whatever you're facing in your world. He's in you is greater. It's bigger. He's stronger. He's more powerful. He's telling you this because he goes on to say, they are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We, church, we are of, we are of God. He who knows God, remember that right there. He or she who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know, by what? When it says by this, what is it talking about? He's talking about he who knows God. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Here's God's heart for us to know the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. I don't want to be deceived. How about you? Who do we believe? Which political voice do we believe? Which social cultural view do we believe? What, where do we go? What do we do? We, we're going to know the spirit of truth versus the spirit of error when we know God. Your personal knowledge of God is going to give you an inside voice to tell you whether this is God or whether this is not of God in your life. This is what God wants to raise you up and understand. He wants the church to grow and mature to a place that you understand. God wants to speak to your spirit. He wants to tell you. He wants to show you so you don't have to sit there in the news and be stressed out and wonder, I don't know who to believe. They're saying this. They're saying that. You've got one voice to tap into and say, God, what you're speaking into my spirit, I thank you that it is spirit and it is truth. And so, Lord, I'm going to be encouraged by what you're saying in my life. 
I'm not going to be discouraged by what's happening in the world. Why am I encouraged today? I'm not encouraged today because I saw something happen on the news this week that gave me hope. No, I read something in my Bible this week. And it, told, it stirred my heart because there are times where I wasn't too excited. But we just finished 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I woke up today and I said, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Today's the last day. But I said, Lord, everything that we've done, I want to get out of this what you want me to get out of it. And I, I, I'm praying and fasting not just for God to do something in our church, have a nice, I'm praying for God to move in the body of Christ, and that includes you. That there will be a fire stir up in your heart, that you will have a passion on the inside to grow and know God, that you'll know Him, that you'll be convinced of Him. And that will begin to shape our culture. That will begin to shape how we know the spirit of truth versus the spirit of error because we just know God. They say that, but it doesn't sound like my God. So I'm not going to be fooled by that because that doesn't line up with what He says. It doesn't line up with what I know. So my peace is not attached to what they say. My peace is attached to who is in me. Because he's in me, I can get excited. And I can say, those who serve Christ, those who live for Jesus, we will win. We overcome. We overcome. We don't overcome because we have our way and a political agenda. We don't overcome because we have our preference in this issue. We overcome because Jesus is on the inside of us. Come hell or high water, here's what we've got. We've got Jesus. We've got Jesus. Because of that, we're going to know the difference in the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So here's my prayer for us, for us not to be deceived. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.